Hello and welcome to the Industry Leaders Podcast, where we talk to the leaders of some of the most exciting retail and direct brands and learn the real stories behind their success, their challenges and their plans for the future. I'm Sarah Goboyle and this podcast is brought to you by More2, the marketing science people. My guest this week is Maria Hollands, Joint Managing Director at Ansomers. Maria launched her career at the Arcadia Group before moving on to a number of big name brands, including Whistles, ASOS and House of Fraser. She joined Ann Summers in the spring of 2019. It's a really interesting time for an established brand like Ann Summers as they're finding new ways to engage with their customers. And of course, they're also meeting the challenges of the pandemic. We'll get into more detail about that a little later on. But for now, Maria, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks, Erica. Um, thanks for having me. And we're delighted to have you. Um, we have got a lot to talk about and I'm really interested to hear about what you're doing at Ann Summers and your plans for the future. But before we get into that, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and, and how you got to where you are today. Because um, your background is in merchandising, which is where you started the Arcadia Group, moving on to ASOS and then House of Fraser, and before obviously you came to Anne Summers. Was fashion retail always the path that you wanted to take? To be honest, um, as a young 20-something, I, I returned from travelling. I'd spent 18 months travelling the world, um, as you did in those days, um, and I moved to London. And I fell into fashion merchandising totally by chance. Um, in those days, it wasn't really a widely known career. And, and to be honest, I spent a lot of my time explaining that I didn't actually dress the windows. Um, but I've, I've, I have I kind of dropped into it, um, really enjoyed it, seemed to be quite good at it. And um, I guess haven't looked back since, really. Yeah, that's really interesting because obviously retail at the moment is going through huge changes now. But it's changed. It's been changing for decades. So, how has the world of direct consumer retail changed since you began your career? Well, I've been in the game quite a long time, so it's it's changed beyond all recognition. To be honest, um, I think when I started out, that was a time where um, opening up a store pretty much guaranteed you profitable growth, and so a lot of brands just went for that kind of space grab. Um, but those days are clearly long gone. Um, I think today's consumer is far more demanding, whether that be around um, speed to market and the availability of new trends or the delivery of their latest order. Um, The way we talk to our consumers has also massively changed. So we've seen the demise of TV and print and the rise of the influencer and social media channels. And of course, there's been a a seismic move um, from physical stores to online shopping. And I think really the last 12 months, have been quite brutal for retail and sadly we've lost um, a lot of long-standing brands from the high street but I think fundamentally um, there's been a level of oversupply in those brands that haven't moved fast enough or kept pace with the market and adopted adopted a digital first approach just haven't been able to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah I think I think you're right and and yeah it is it is sad when we lose those kind of brands but yeah like you say it's a matter of adapting and and being able to change your offering and and engage you know more directly with the consumers um you obviously you've worked with um quite a number of quite different businesses from asos which is obviously the pure play giant to the more you know traditional say tv print arcade kind of businesses and and then on time summaries which obviously now is is very omni-channel um do you have a favorite well, other than Ansomers, which is clearly my current favourite, um, I would have to say ASOS. So uh, during my time at ASOS, the business was going through phenomenal growth and it was actually pretty pretty disruptive. Um, and what I really loved about the business, it was the pace and the entrepreneurial spirit and the appetite for trying something new. So it was 
completely acceptable to get something wrong at ASOS, just so long as you learn from it and learn pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I always think that that's one of the most kind of valuable things, you know, is to be able to to make mistakes and, and own up to them and say, okay, look, that's fine, but I, I learned, you know, I learned a lot. Um, yeah, I think I think it's the way to grow, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And and have you kind of taken that that kind of um, approach with you to Anne Summers and things that you learned at, at ASOS, applying them to a more established brand? Yeah, definitely. We've definitely tried to adapt some of that kind of thinking. And Anne Summers is quite a, a legacy brand. And um, as a team, we've been trying to uh, revolutionise it, I guess, and, and make it more kind of agile. Mm -hmm. And because it's such a legacy brand and it's such an iconic brand, what is it about Anne Summers that kind of inspires you? Um, so for most of my career, I've worked for men or certainly um, have worked in businesses where men have made up the majority of the board. And what I really love about Anne Summers is it is a brand for women and in the main is run by women. So we have a high proportion of women on the board and in our leadership team, as well as the wider team, including 12,000 ambassadors. And I think working with such an army of strong women has a really different dynamic. Um, it's much more representative of our, of our customer and is really empowering. And we have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. And that's, that's interesting. How is the dynamic different? Um, I just think that we are um, more attuned with each other. There's, I, th I think generally probably more supportive of each other. Um, and I think that ability to connect better with a customer is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. And how does the company support female employees to, to kind of empower them and support them? Um, I think we are great at creating opportunities for women, women whether that be a structured career or whether it be the self-employed um, ambassador who can work flexibly around her other commitments. Um, there's no glass ceiling for women at Anne Summers. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that our CEO and, and our joint MDs are all women. Um, I think it's incredibly important. It's a great role model for, for younger women progressing their career. And um, Jacqueline, Vanessa and myself are all very different. And I think, again, that's really, it, it's great for people to see that there's not just one type of woman that can be successful in business. And I think as a business, um, Jacqueline goes one step further than that. She has an initiative called Women on Wednesdays. Um, and she actively supports and mentors female entrepreneurs who have set up their own business. So I think we definitely do everything we can to champion women to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Um, you know, I always think that, that, you know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. You know, it, it's being able to inspire, you know, whether it's girls playing sport or it's, it's women in business or anything. It, it's just so important. And how do you think um, businesses who maybe haven't had that kind of legacy of supporting women in business how can they make themselves more supportive for female employees um i think it's really important they have policies that support women um it's still really common for women to be pick up a high proportion of caring responsibilities in many households so having a degree of flexible working and a support network for women starting a family and of course robust maternity policies are all really important um and Summers as a business is very supportive of women, but we actually have embarked on a, on a total review of our female first policies just to ensure that they're still relevant, up to date and fit for purpose. So I think it's something that we constantly need to review. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I think you're right. And if you could give some advice to women in, in working in retail, um, which, you know, as we know, is, is a tough industry, um, what would you say? Um, have confidence in your abilities, support each other, stick together, um, and drive out the boys club behaviour, which, if I'm honest, has been endemic in retail for many years. Um, I think there's a famous saying by Madeleine Albright that says there's a special place in hell for women who don't support each other. And I think um, that, that's really key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Obviously, you know, with Anne Summers, um, it's a brand that that you really believe in, you know, listening to you speak, it's, you know, it really sounds like you believe in, in how the business runs and, and, and in how you engage with your consumers and, and the service you provide to your consumers as well. What is, in a few words, if you could, um, the Anne Summers mission statement? Well, we actually have an official mission statement, and that is to improve every woman's sex life through innovation, expert advice, trusted relationships and a unique experience. I mean, that sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, I think, and Summers is a particularly interesting brand because you have huge brand recognition across lots of different demographics from older customers right down to, to you know, the, the teenager, or, you know, the kind of maybe university student. How do you make the brand appeal to such a huge spectrum of people? So... I think our customer base is less about demographics and more about attitude. So as a brand, we're all about building female confidence, and that's really at the heart of everything we do. And I think appeals to women of a like mind, regardless of their age. Yeah. And I think when people think about the Anne Summers brand, it's very kind of glamorous, it's very sexy, it's very fun. Um, And I love to see that you have quite diverse models on your socials and your website. There's lots of different body types, different skin tones. um, Some models there are able-bodied, some aren't. But what really comes across to me is that these women are really beautiful they look strong and they look confident in their skin and and you know that obviously feeds into your your mission statement um do you think that the mission is really about empowering women to 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 be strong and confident oh absolutely um one of our brand values is that we are for every woman and and so representing and celebrating all women regardless of shape size race or sexualities is an essential ingredient of what we do um, so we're not we're not here to judge, but instead help um, each and every woman have the confidence to be the very best version of herself. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose because you say that you know you don't really engage with you don't think about it as demographics, but rather about attitudes. Um, I'm interested to hear about how you kind of engage with different cohorts. Maybe is is a better word than for your for your customers. So you know how. How do you use influencers like, say, Maura Higgins or Lucy Donnan, who are on Love Island? You know, why did you decide to work with those influencers and have they changed maybe how you engage with your customers? Yeah, so we we loved Maura in Love Island. Um, her frankness and her ability to speak openly about sex meant that she was an absolutely perfect fit with our brand. And so when she agreed to work with us, we were absolutely delighted. But she is part of a wider influence programme that we've embarked on. Um, It's quite a new direction for us and one that has really resonated well with our customers. I think part of our success with our influencer programme is that we use different types of influencers that appeal to different segments. So, for instance, we frequently have guest editors of our Pleasure Positivity programme which is focused on sexual wellness and, very importantly, about closing the orgasm gap. Um, 
the reach we've achieved through our influencer programme has been phenomenal um, and it's helped us reach a new audience and, and has also, I think, helped change some outdated perceptions around the brand. Mm, that's interesting. Could you tell me a bit more about that? So I think, um, uh, so, so Anne Summers is, is a, you know, we've been around for almost 50 years um, and I think we've we've changed incredibly over those 50 years and I think there's probably some outdated perceptions that were a bit tacky and a bit cheap and the quality's not great um, and I think by having the influencer program we've been able to to really showcase our, our products and we've had we've definitely attracted a younger audience that perhaps wasn't was less aware of who we were I think um I mean, one of the things that we find with our influ- influencer program is we we generate a huge amount of user generated content, and mm-hmm. that is um, that is girls that just love what we're doing and it, and endorse what we're doing. So I think it's definitely um, um, yeah raised our game. I think, mm-hmm. and it must feel so rewarding for you to see people really enjoying your products and yeah, and, yeah. definitely yeah, and kind of living your your mission statement in a way yeah. <laughs> It must be fab. <laughs> and do you think that the the kind of influencer model, um, do you think that is one that's going to continue into the future that you'll keep using? Yeah, definitely for the foreseeable. As I say, I mean, it's been so successful for us that, um, um, yeah, and I think also with, with Gen Z, it's kind mm. of they, um, they're less about advertising. They're, they're more influenced by people that are endorsing your products. So I can't see it going away very anytime soon going to stick on to to platforms like instagram do you think that they're going to find different platforms that you need to be keeping up with well the way technology moves i'm sure there'll be something new around the corner but i think we've been um quite agile around that so you know we have adapted to new platforms we i mean two years ago we weren't didn't really have a great presence even on instagram and now we've we've got a we've got a strong presence on on tiktok too so um yeah we're 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 developing all the time along with the consumer on how they want to communicate with us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, actually, while we're on the topic of social media, all things social media, uh, one thing I really loved was your It's a Feeling video, which is part of your um, Christmas 2020 campaign. Um, and if anyone listening to the podcast hasn't seen it, I recommend you go and find it because it's great. Um, it, you know, it's all about empowerment. It's being confident. It's, it's fun. It's great. Um, I know we we kind of touched on briefly that people that customers demands and desires have changed in recent years. Could you maybe tell me a little bit about how they've changed and what exactly different customers are looking from a brand like Ansomers? So I also loved that campaign. Um, I, I found it. I think felt it was really uplifting during a time which is obviously very difficult for all of us. Um, in terms of how customers' um, demands and desires have changed. Um, I think we're having far more conversations today about female sexual pleasure and sexual wellness, and we're definitely breaking down taboos and are far more open about our needs and wants. So I'm not so sure that demands and desires have particularly changed. I just think we're happy to talk about them. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And and do you, I mean, this is a very big question, but do you know maybe what might have triggered that openness? Um, I just think that people are gradually over time, um, 
people are speaking out. So if you take Maura, for instance, on Love Island, her, she's a great example of somebody who's happy to talk about it. And I think we've got more and more women that are happy to do that. Um, and it's it's almost it's gathering pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's great to see, you know, that it's just you see people who are confident and saying, this is what I want and this is what I deserve. And yeah, I think it's it's a wonderful message. Um, and, you know, even, you know, I've been looking at your your socials and your website and different things. And, and the big feeling that I get is is one of of just joy, you know, and, and confidence. It really comes across really, really strongly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing your job. Um, so um, I, you, you mentioned there, obviously, you know, that Christmas 2020 was a, was a difficult time for, for everybody. Um, and the pandemic, you know, has been hugely challenging um, for teams and, and business leaders and retail obviously has been one of the worst affected industries. Um, how have you managed and motivated your teams without being able to, to physically see them? So, it, I mean, it has been an incredibly challenging time for all of us. Um, I think it's been really important to keep our teams connected with the business. And so we've definitely had a focus on, on cre- increasing the level of communication across the teams. So, Really having constant communication has been really key with us and sharing all sorts of information, um, regular updates, anything from how the business is performing to what new initiatives we might have launching, um, PR and social news and tips on keeping physically and mentally well during lockdown and also sharing uh, virtual social events that our teams can get involved with. We also make sure that we've had regular check-ins, both on a one-to-one basis and a team basis um, so there's a chance to discuss any concerns um, and to keep that kind of team camaraderie alive um, and to support each other Um, and actually what's something we've recently done is we've joined arms with um, the Retail Trust who provides some amazing services and support around well-being for anybody that's working in retail and, and that's available to all of our colleagues. That's fantastic. It's, it's so so important and are there changes that you've made to your way of working that you think you'll bring into to the post-lockdown world um so i think some of the changes that will, that will come into post-lockdown world i think it's inevitable that to a to a some level we'll adopt a combination of working in the office and remote working um so working from home obviously has some advantages um such as you know no commute um but i think a lot of us have missed that kind of uh, social contacts and interaction which is really important um, but I think some of the other changes that I, I definitely want to keep is we've become much more agile as a business um, in terms of our actions and decision making so I'd really want to make sure that we keep that pace um, I also think that our meetings have been far more effective so having the right people in the room or, or in the last 12 me- months having the right people on the call um, and really ensuring that there's a clear purpose and outcome from all of our interactions. Although I have to be honest, overall, it's going to be um, great to actually see colleagues again in person. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think yeah, that's one of the biggest things I think people must be looking forward yeah. to. Definitely. Um, and so we touched on this a little bit um, earlier, you know, that obviously Anselmus is a very established brand, um, you know, but, but, you know, direct to, to consumer brands are, are home to change the way that they connect with their customers and they engage with the customers. Um, how have you adapted the business to pivot to more online travel channels? Oh, so, I mean, 
we've essentially we've accelerated our digital first or or, or or more correctly, our mobile first strategy is over 80% of our traffic comes through on mobile devices. So we've actually done a lot on our digital channels. We've And we did a, a, a complete upgrade of our website um, during lockdown. Um, that was an upgrade in terms of both site design and also the site speed, as well as adding some um, new options for our consumers. So we added new payment options new delivery options and we also joined um party with a new um international fulfillment partner globally um and i think also there's been a much more uh, a bigger focus on uh, customer data and, and customer insight and, and really understanding how our consumer is interacting with our digital channel it's, we also have um we're unusually in Ansomers that we also have our direct sales channel um, and we've also digitised that a lot during lockdown. So um, this is um, the channel that is traditionally known as Party Plan and was based around physical parties and paper catalogues. Obviously, when lockdown came, no physical parties. And so almost overnight, um, our, ambassador, our ambassadors had to switch to selling through social channels um, and we supported them with that by providing them with digital assets rather than a paper catalogue. And so, they, I mean, the way they've operated has actually has completely transformed. Um, and it's been remarkable to see such a rapid transition. How are they managing those parties now? So they'll, they'll be doing them virtually. So whether it, whether it be on Zoom, but they're also connecting with their customer on their social channels. So whether that be on Facebook, Instagram. Um, so yeah, they're, they've got really um, inventive and, and and really for a lot of our ambassadors, particularly those that were very much more traditional and deep seated in the physical party world, they've had to totally pivot um, the way they they do business. And and you know it's been really successful for many of them. That's great. It's so good to hear those kind of success stories, isn't it? And do you think that you'll you'll maintain some kind of maybe a hybrid, virtual and physical? things like that after the lockdown yeah definitely so I mean out that channel there's a there's there's definitely still a a want and a need for physical parties it's it's a night out for many women um it's it's an opportunity for them to get together with the girls and have some fun but the way we will operate that will be very different so because I said we used to do um paper catalogues we will not do paper catalogues everything will be on digital now so uh, again much more agile um, and it enables to keep things up to date um, rather than print something that's um, out of date the minute you've printed it so yeah we've definitely um, definitely changed the way we operate in that channel. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting and and uh, you know I suppose talking about how channels are are changing and they'll remain different after the lockdown what role will your stores play in the future do you think? Um, so I think stores will remain an important part of our future. And actually, when when we've been able to open them um, through this over the last 12 months, they've actually traded very well. And I think our store colleagues are an invaluable asset to us. They are a, a great source of knowledge and advice. And for many of our customers that are looking for support, they would prefer to shop in store. Having said that, though, I, I do think the role of the store will evolve and, and I think it will become much more aligned with our digital channels. So, for instance, you know, we may move to using stores as a faster local fulfillment option for our online orders. 
But really, I think in a post-COVID world, um, we're all going to have to assess, you know, how much has our as consumer behaviour irrevocably changed and, and, and how is that going to impact on physical retailing? Mm-hmm. And um, if I asked you to place a bet on how, how that uh, consumer behaviour is going to change, what do you think it's going to do? Um, well, I think inevitably the this move, the huge move to digital um, for a lot of people who've not not tried it before, um, the digital will still be exceptionally important, and I think um, it will all go back to experience again for the physical stores. So, I think there'll be one or two things. Um, it'll be a day out shopping with friends and or family, or local convenience. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that all stores will will be one of those fulfill one of those two elements, but I think I cannot see that digital is is going is not going to go back to what it was. No, no, definitely not. No. I mean, if it did, I'd be <laughs> gobsmacked. <laughs> I think. Okay, fantastic. Um, so um, I think we you know, we we touched a little bit on on your career and in. in you know already um you obviously you've achieved engagement in your career um to date and what are you personally most proud of um i think one of the things that i really really love is the ability to create fabulous teams and empower them um i've worked with some great people um through my career and i sit, take a huge amount of pride in seeing them develop and seeing their careers flourish and, and that's a, an element of my role that i really enjoy mm-hmm. and um when you're working with with teams and building teams like that you know the leadership style is so important and, and um being empathetic is so important have you ever worked with a leader or a mentor whose leadership really inspired you so i'm very lucky i've, I've worked with loads of great leaders um and I think rather than say that there's one that's particularly inspired me I think I've learned um something from many of them so I'll I'll give you some examples so um Dave Shepard who I worked for in the Arcadia group he definitely taught me that your team is your most important asset he was a real kind of people person I also worked for Jane Shepardson um, and she taught me to be absolutely uncompromising around brand values and to stick to your principles. You know, we saw what she achieved with Topshop and that was because she was totally um, uncompromising and, and, and always had the brand's best interests at heart. Um, I worked with Nick Robertson in ASOS. Um, I think what he taught me was don't be afraid to try something new and take some risks. And then, of course, I couldn't not mention Jacqueline and Vanessa Gold. Um, who, to be honest, they are they are the epitome of empowerment. You know, they they really trust people to do the right thing for their business. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And if you could give, I mean, it's a, it sounds from what you're saying that you know you're the kind of person who's very open to taking in you know learnings and advice from different people. Um, if you could give some advice to your younger self, you know, if you go back to say Maria when she was twenty three, what would you say to her? You've got this. I think I would say ignore the imposter syndrome, stop worrying about being found out, and you know what you're doing. I think there's, for lots of women, there is that fear that they're not good enough for the job, and um, that's really not true. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah I, th- I think you're right and it is something that comes up quite a lot I think in discussions with women and um, you know that really that feeling of an imposter you feeling that you, you don't deserve to be where you are um what what, what is how can, how can people or how can women um kind of shake that off because it, it, it's a hard thing to do you know to believe in yourself yeah, it, it is a hard thing to do but I think I mean it's taught me a long time <laughs> but I think reminding yourself of all the things that you've achieved is is a good way of reinforcing um your value mm-hmm. and as and I think it goes back um to what I said earlier as well about women sticking together and supporting each other yeah I think you're right I think you're right okay fantastic I have just one last question for you Maria um what are you most looking forward to when lockdown ends oh well <laughs> uh what am I looking forward to spending quality time with family and friends um going on holiday mm-hmm. and getting my hair done oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and you just had your vaccine so you're a day closer to yeah, that's <laughs> true <laughs> fantastic listen Maria thank you so much um I really enjoyed that uh, it was a great great to chat to you great to learn your your wisdom and all your experiences and all your thoughts and <laughs> um, so thank you so much and um we'll chat to you again soon no thanks to you thank too you. so thank you everybody for listening to um the industry leaders podcast and um, that was Maria Hollins I think you can all agree she was a fab guest uh tune in next week uh, for our next guest and we'll see you soon